0: café. In taberna.
1: Another weary Wednesday And yet here we are To discuss the news and the papers With me as always Is Classical Theist
0: Hey how's it going
1: Why are people so stupid That bishops are political actors too
2: Hey I'm here too
1: Oh and and so also here Is Ter- uh, Monsieur uh, Monsieur Tarrillion.
2: Yeah yeah Autism is unbreakable I just had like four croissants at the cafe
1: <laughs> yes it almost almost bankrupted them because it was a gnomes they were gnome croissants so it takes yes. them very long to make a full-size croissant <laughs> almost went through the whole puff pastry uh supply for the week but uh here we are at cafe and taberna this is your weekly viennese cafe of the mind where you can take a respite and We discuss the news, the tweets, the papers, things that aggravate and delight us. Welcome. So, last Wednesday, CT, we discussed the bishops and the USCCB meeting. Yes, 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 we did. And now, since then... 60 signers including aoc of liberal catholics in congress are asking gomez and the bishops to not weaponize the eucharist
0: yeah um it's one thing that i've i've kind of noticed about all of this is unfortunately you know, you would think the proper response to to um, to solve the specifically um, that Ted Lieu, um, Democratic congressman, who who basically all but like dared the bishops to excommunicate him for like his whole litany of like terrible heterodox views on on whether it be you know, contraception, abortion, homosexuality. Um, the list goes on, of course. Uh, he literally listed all of the areas in which he like disagrees with the dogmatic teachings of of the church. You'd think the response would be to just like call the bluff, recognize that this person is this person, and and you know the people of whom he's representative in this regard are just you know insincere. They're they're not really they don't really consider themselves as like faithful sons and daughters of the church, and and just try to get us to uh propound our own doctrine but unfortunately that doesn't really seem to be the case even among like catholic apologists
1: which uh we'll 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 get to in a moment uh unless you you wanted to but that that's i guess that's that's the thing um let's um i want to talk about the letter a little bit if you two don't mind yeah uh yeah just a little bit so uh i have it in front of me um which is uh, Congress of the United States, Washington, D.C. 20515, Statement of Principles, June 18th, 2021. Now,
0: first of all, before you read this letter, I want to point out one thing. It really sounds like that they had clerical help writing this letter. Yeah, there were some... Like, this letter sounds eerily similar to like the same kind of jesuitical you know rhetoric that, that we've been subjected to by the likes of whether it be you know america magazine or just, you know father martin himself etc Ma- i really think that they massimo they, like, brought on yes massimo Fagioli. like probably like old uh, libcath Jesuit warhorse clerics to like help them draft this i really think so no yeah yeah, yeah,
1: no yeah completely i'm not going to read the whole thing but i'm just going to read some highlights um you know Mm -hmm. so uh, the letter opens as catholic democrats in congress we are part to be a part of the living catholic tradition a tradition that unfailingly promotes the common good expresses a consistent moral framework <laughs> for life and highlights the need to pro- provide a collective safety net to those individuals in society who are the most vulnerable. And so uh, next paragraph, it says, We're con- I don't
0: even think they've written this letter. Like, <laughs> I No, mean, they like, didn't. I, mean, I think it was entirely, because do we really think that people like e- AOC even
1: like know about the significance of the word living in that phrase? Uh no um I I kind of so they they did
2: does AOC even go to church?
1: And she goes to mass. She go. I don't know where she really? goes to mass. I, I I don't. I actually don't know that. She might not. Probably every now and then. To make an appear, uh, uh, you know, for like All Souls Day, so that all the abuelas in her district <laughs> exactly. that she can fool them. Ah, Alexandria, you are here. Yeah so we are committed to making real the basic principles that are at the heart of catholic social teaching helping the poor disadvantaged and the oppressed protecting the least among us and ensuring that all americans of every faith are given meaningful opportunities to share in the blessings of our great country this commitment is filled in different ways by legislators by reducing rising rates of poverty child poverty increasing access to education pressing for universal health care, recognizing the dignity of all humans, repairing long-standing racial and gender inequalities in our society. Each of these issues challenge our obligations as Catholics to community and helping those in need. And all of these issues, skipping forward, uh talking about the child tax credit and how many of them so so what's interesting about this is um pausing from reading the excerpts is like there's kind of an implicit threat where they're like look at how we supported like child There, are not an implicit threat but there there is an implicit threat but at the forefront there is kind of this attempt to like guilt the bishops because like look how we supported child tax credits and like Medicare for all and so on the
0: unfortunate thing is that, like, with the way that the bishops have, over the past few decades, um, prioritized issues, they really don't
1: have much of a response to that. This is an interesting paragraph. In In all of these issues, we seek the church's guidance and assistance to but believe also in the primacy of conscience. Right. Hmm. Uh...
2: But can I just say a little something about the primacy of uh,
1: Yeah sure yeah
2: Where does that even come from
1: Liberalism
2: Does that have any basis whatsoever In catholic teaching That's repeatedly condemned in the syllabus Of eras and I, I mean if we're talking About the primacy of conscience I just want to say something The primacy of conscience For me my conscience Tells me to be a vigorous Eco-fascist white nationalist Um and also a perennialist. So, I I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think conscience is a particularly meaningful
0: thing. Yeah, but the rebuttal to that, really is that no. uh, Fratelli Tutti is more magisterial than the syllabus of errors.
2: Well, either way, uh, <laughs> my my conscience uh, certainly does not align with either liberalism or traditional Catholicism. I mean, classical theists can attest that I often feel guilty. What if... What, what if God is angry at me because I I'm I'm Catholic and I don't worship Odin and um, <laughs> What if he makes me reborn as a worm? It's what true. If I'm a he bad does person? ask
0: me these questions by <laughs> the way. Yeah
2: like, I, 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 On a regular basis, I'll it's be not like,
0: even an exaggeration
2: What if I'm a bad person because I don't support contraception to save all the trees
1: autism is unbreakable
2: yeah <laughs> Conscience is meaningless It is almost completely meaningless.
1: So, they go on. In recognizing the church's role in providing moral leadership, we acknowledge and accept the tensions that come with being in disagreement with the church in some areas. We acknowledge and accept the tension of being flagrant dissenters and heretics. Uh... We recognize that no political party is perfectly in accord with all aspects of Catholic doctrine. This fact speaks to the secular nature of American democracy, not the devotion of our democratically elected leaders. Yet we believe we can speak to the fundamental issues that unite us as Catholics and lend our voices to changing the political debate, a debate that often fails to reflect and encompasses the depth and complexity of the issues. So they talk about... Uh... I will say, mm-hmm. this is
0: a little bit more refreshing than the route Pelosi used to take, which is to say that, uh, well, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, used Aristotelian biology to say that life actually begins. like You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they kind of acknowledge that their stance on this is like, cannot be reconciled with catholic orthodoxy
1: we also urge the church to heed the words of our holy father pope francis who wrote in his apostolic exhortation the joy of the gospel which um yeah uh that the eucharist although it is the fullness of sacramental life is not a prize for the perfect but a powerful medicine and nourishment for the weak quote unquote
0: now, i want to say something about this
2: mm-hmm.
0: um a lot of very naive people very naive conservatives conservative catholics have been trying to say that oh francis francis rhetoric about that um about the eucharist not being a prize for the perfect but like medicine for sinners etc that in his mind it only goes so far as to say that uh, it, it, it's only for repentant sinners who have gone through, you know, sacramental absolution and, you know, do are actively trying to uh, subject their consciences to the magisterium of the church. Now, he might, you know, try to t- say that on paper, but we have to recognize the – what are the – what's the directionality of a statement
2: like that? Pragmatically, that's not the – That's not what's being said at all. What's being said is, uh, the the context is something like, can I receive communion if I'm divorced and remarried? And then uh, the Pope says something like, well, the Eucharist is not a prize for the perfect. It is a medicine for sinners.
0: Right. I mean, what kind of is that? that? It's pure rhetoric.
2: What are you supposed to make of a response like that in that context? You're either going to say, that's not an answer, or you're going to think, oh, well, I guess it's OK. And I'm not necessarily accusing Pope Francis of using it that way. But,
1: well. So I, I might as well actually read what remains of it, because it's short. And it, it would be worth sure. the listener's time to hear it. Um we believe the separation of church and state allows for our faith to inform our public duties and best serve our constituents the sacrament of holy communion is central to the life of practicing catholics and the weaponization of the eucharist to democratic lawmakers for their support of a woman's safe and legal access to abortion is contradictory
0: It's kind of funny how they use the term weaponization of the Eucharist because it's kind of like one of those meme phrases that comes from on high and then starts getting repeated ad nauseum by like the media, like like manufactured crisis, things like that. Yeah, it's a pr- it's but, a pr- yeah, it's and, a with respect to the border.
1: It's a well-known uh, progressive Catholic um, canard that they throw out. Um, no elected official. Uh, it goes on. You had something to say, Trillian, before I continue to read this oh, direct? Oh,
2: man, the Eucharist is a pretty awesome weapon.
1: Which saint used it to drive away Muslims?
2: I'm sure someone has used it to drive away Muslims.
1: It's- yeah, holy, um, it was saint, was it saint Catherine? And that wasn't saint, saint Teresa of Avila? I may believe it was. Uh, No elected officials, the letter goes on, have been threatened with being denied the Eucharist as they support and have supported policies contrary to the church's teachings, including supporting the death penalty, separating (laughs) migrant children from their parents, denying asylum to those seeking safety in the United States, limiting assistance for the hungry and food food insecure, and denying rights and dignity to immigrants. We solemnly urge you not to move forward and deny this most holy of all sacraments—the source and summit of the whole work of the gospel—over one issue.
2: They definitely did not write that part,
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. like
0: that—that that last part. We solemnly, like that, sounds almost like a, a papal statement.
1: Yeah, that's 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 it's cler- that's cleric speak. I would be interested to. Kn- It'll come out eventually through the grapevine who wrote this. Who helped them compose this. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a committee of like two or three theologians and liberal Jesuits. Uh Ah, uh, here we go. We yeah. remind you that the Second Vatican Council's renewed emphasis on the Eucharist as the central focus, especially in the Council's constitution on the sacred liturgy. For the liturgy through which the work of our redemption is accomplished, most of all is the divine sacrifice the eucharist. Yeah, eucharist
0: i'm sure i'm sure ted lou in his time is just reading through you know sacrosanctum concilium and Dei Verbum and lumen gentium yes that's, that's what he does in his spare time that's what ted lou and aoc do they just read church documents
1: to pursue a blanket denial of the holy eucharist to certain elected officials would indeed grieve the holy spirit and deny the evolution of the individual a christian person who is never perfect but living in the struggle to get there final paragraph as catholic democrats who embrace the vocation and mission of the laity as expressed by the late pope john paul ii in his apostolic exhortation christi fidelis Laici we believe that the church is the people of god called to be the moral force in the broadest sense We believe the church as a community is called to be the vanguard of creating a more just america and world and as such we have a claim on the church's bearing as it does on ours signed all of these assholes um
0: john paul ii invoked his infallibility in evangelium vitae to condemn precisely their stance on abortion.
1: Yeah, this is so this is this is more progressive catholic obfuscating all of these appeals to Vatican 2 and JP2 and the pope are meant to basically try to be used as a rhetorical cudgel against conservative catholics um in criticizing them. Um it's it's completely hollow pe- it's a completely hollow they, statement. Go ahead
0: and they succeed. Unfortunately,
2: the past uh, few decades, or and especially you know the past decade, have made it almost impossible to use the term "church teaching" or "the church teaches" without qualification. Yeah. And it's extremely annoying. It is extremely annoying because they'll talk about church teaching, and in in doing so, they're equivocating on so many different categories of things. They're equivocating on what. You know some some people are saying from the pulpit you know some stuff that's said at a very low level of authority some stuff that's said with qualifications some stuff that's infallible and it's just extremely annoying and it's become an almost useless term mm-hmm. it doesn't help that it doesn't help that modern popes just do not shut up with their incredibly long encyclicals
0: yeah like I've compared it <laughs> i compared it to like a discord mod abusing their at everyone privileges yeah <laughs> Yeah. that's how it feels sometimes like when when these popes these these specifically recent popes they just come out with encyclical after encyclical after encyclical and like we have to just bear it and then try to make sense of some of these discrepancies now what I did want to say though is that unfortunately it seems like this desire that you were talking about Arend, to gaslight uh, conservative Catholics seems to be working because like that tweet i mentioned a little while ago by ted lu it elicited may, uh, see, yeah. may i
1: read it real quick yes
0: please please buy um trent horn
1: oh well so i'm gonna read the the ted lu tw- do you want me to read the okay, exchange yeah. yeah please do so ted okay. lu originally tweeted on june 18th uh dear at usccp i'm a catholic and i support contraception a woman's right to choose treatments for infertility the right for people to get a divorce the right of same-sex marriage next time I go to church I dare you to deny me communion before I read Trent Horn's comments um which were very annoying um you know J.D. Flynn uh, writing for the pillar uh you know and he's he, I think he's still with Catholic, yeah he's with Catholic New Jersey and the pillar i think but he has you know the um ed peters canon law lawyer is uh his partner doing that project and he, ed condon ed condon excuse me i don't know why i said ed peters peters
2: is the based one
1: yes uh so 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 the the thing is is that like it would not be hard they even said to prove um a canonical penalty regarding it would not be hard to prove dissent canonically. There's a specific term for it that I'm blanking on, but it wouldn't be hard to prove their ridiculousness in a court of canon law. And this tweet would be used as Exhibit A uh, of that. Yes. So Trent Horn then retweets <laughs> Congressman Lou, who, by the way has only immigrated to the United States a couple decades ago, and Congressman Lou, much like AOC, is a thorough project of the libshit Jesuit educational complex. Um, he went to Georgetown. Trent Horn retweets Lou. Representative Lou, I dare you to come on my podcast <laughs> and, and explain how you can call yourself a Catholic while denying fundamental Catholic doctrine. Uh Lou uh replies Are you going to say Bill Barr, of course, Trump's former the former attorney general under Trump, are you going to say that Bill Barr should be denied the Eucharist for expanding death penalty executions? Or that he shouldn't call himself a Catholic? I Trent responds If only you knew how bad things really are. Um I agree with the church. Teaching that the death penalty is inadmissible if someone committed a mortal sin in cooperation with it He should not receive communion if the church if the church formally withholds communion from abortion and death penalty Enablers would you submit to its teachings? if the church formally withholds communion from abortion and death penalty enablers would you submit to its teachings uh Lou doesn't respond or whatever and then Trent keeps him on scene. Yeah, and then Trent adds to the thread And said the offer is always on the table if you watch come on my show and have a civil <laughs> we,
2: we should ask Lou to come on to our podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like what's going on through his head? Does he really think that like Lou is going to give this guy the time and day on his podcast?
1: Trent Trent Horn unfortunately still believes the lie of Ben Shapiro. Yeah. That, well, that facts and logic.
2: Well, I mean, they are related. Hmm, mm, Yeah. Distantly related. Distantly, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, Trent's a good guy. Um,
2: Trent, yeah, I, I do want to say Trent is a really good guy. Um, <laughs> From what I know, and yeah, you know, it, it, I think it, he's 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 kind of cringe, and he's wrong about a lot of things. I don't doubt his sincerity, and that he's a good person. The,
1: the The problem with my frustration is that you know, and and that's part of why we're doing this silly little, you know, uh, why we opened this silly little cafe and this silly little tavern uh, and this silly little sympos- uh you know, um, salon, which will uh, forthwith be opening. Uh, stay tuned. But part of why we're doing this project is that uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not thinking that we're going to reach millions of people ever. But by and large, I think that we're reaching a point that conservative Catholic apologetics are starting to break down. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we talked about this last time that the german bishops with the same-sex union things it issue with the underground bishops in china and the patriotic communist bishops that are that they that the vatican has agreed to acknowledge uh the problems with the society of saint Pius the 10th and their irregular communion and now uh amoris laetitia uh implementation of that the usccb there, there are stark divisions globally in the church that will fissure sooner or later
2: Yeah, um, this is something I used to never shut up about, the breakdown of conservative Catholic apologetics. Uh, Could you guys indulge me for a moment?
1: Please, you have the floor.
2: Okay, so one of the things you see after Vatican II is that as bad as things are uh, with the papacy, the papacy is often the only beacon of sanity at all especially under JP2. And JP2 and the like seemed to provide a way in which you could still fundamentally be a liberal and be an authentic Catholic. And moreover, uh, the papacy could kind of be seen as a way of getting around some of the less savory aspects of scripture and tradition. You know, it allowed you to sort of pick and choose and be a bit of a cafeteria Catholic with respect to that. And otherwise seemed like a very sure guide. It didn't lead you anywhere crazy. Um, and now, of course the trads were always saying, you know, this is bad. Um, religious freedom is kind of a meme. Liberalism is a sin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the conservative Catholics just kept clinging to, you know, stuff that popes were saying and like at a, at a low level of authority and kind of inflating The office of the papacy to be some kind of magisterial oracle almost you know you can't read tradition on your own the papacy just acts as a kind of oracle that allows you to discern the meaning of tradition and scripture and now with Pope Francis we see that that is just totally not a viable apologetic or strategy
1: and you know there's some people like you know Raymond Arroyo EWTN um, the papal posse there um, Father Murray, Murray and girl, the, Murray. the other guy.
2: There, there was a time when I feel you could legitimately say to someone with a straight face, Oh, if you become a Catholic, uh, the Pope will do all your thinking for you. You don't need to like deal with any kind of uncertainty or anything like that.
1: Well, I mean, that, that's not even like the so-called mental slavery that like the Ultramontanists advocated they still advocated for reading the bulls yes <laughs> and and so like you know um and, and that would imply some measure of thinking you know um and so you know when i'm i'm being smarmy at trent horn and you know uh because i feel like that in in many ways you know frad and horn and catholic answers um created a thesis that the crisis established the antithesis in taylor marshall and um what's that sicilian's name gordo gordon and um this is a bad thing because there won't be any good synthesis from this it's just you know Bad noise all around. The red pill poisoning on the one hand, with you know the the marshals and the so ons, and the very very bad normy conservative ground that Horn and Frad are trying to are trying to tread. Um, and so, like, it's very annoying to me. Where it's like you're implying that. So this actually happened to me once. Is I had there was a um a, a seminarian who was. Uh, I was at uh, some Catholic function or whatever, and there was a seminary, and we were talking, and I basically was just like, you know, yeah, I, I think the death penalty is completely admissible and even necessary. Uh, and, you know, I had read all the arguments on both sides, had done my homework as far as I had cared to, uh, and he basically called me a heretic to my face. <laughs> and... This dude had been a convert for, like, less than five years, I think, and was already entering the seminary.
0: Yeah, this this kind of thinking, this kind of magisterial positivism is
1: very, very, very popular with the converts. And uh, he was just... Because
2: they, because they come from a, a place of magisterial anarchy. You know, Protestantism, and it's a place of magisterial anarchy, and you, you the papacy, and you're like... Oh, well, the picking and choosing is no longer uh, entirely down to my own conscience, so it's not complete chaos. Sorry for interrupting. No,
1: that's good. Uh, it, it, but, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's not, it's like, if you want that type of certainty, then why don't you just become a freaking Mormon, okay? <laughs> like, that's actually what you're looking for. And, you know, this idea of the oracular pope is so toxic and bad, um... And so anyway, so this guy, um, I told him Edward Fazer, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, oh, and, and basically he was like incensed that anyone who was like a known conservative Catholic commodity that any Catholic philosopher would dare oppose the popes on the death penalty.
2: Well, if. And I'm not daring him at all, but if the Pope is really so serious about it, he would attach a theological censure to his position.
1: (laughs) There's there's things that have been solemnly defined that even with that censure would outweigh it. Yeah. So we know that execution is licit. The Church has told us so, and so it's like... You know, frankly, from Trent Horn, I, you know, all of the good that he has done, the, his decency as a human being, I don't appreciate the implicit sanctimony of saying that I am a sinner or a heretic. I am a sinner, but I am not sinning by believing that the death penalty is admissible in certain circumstances.
2: It's been so significant. Look uh, the funny- Okay, yeah, go ahead. One of the funniest things is Trent Horn, you know, replied with a an attempt at a reductio ad absurdum as if he didn't know who he was talking to, saying, uh, you know, well, do you support the death penalty for even like nonviolent crimes like uh yeah, yeah. like sexual sins, uh gay sex, uh blah blah blah, heresy, robbery and a, and a bunch of us were just like Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean you know, St. Alphonsus Liguori says that God actively wails the death of certain criminals.
0: And here's another thing about this. Um, you can kind of use their own logic against them. Because one thing that they're very fond of reminding us of is that... Um, I think they get this from Donum Veritatis or something where it says that it would be a mistake to think that the church could habitually err in her prudential judgments. Now, when we're dealing with a 2,000 year old institution, I think we have to (laughs) have a bit of a more qualified understanding of the word habitually than what they're trying to put forward. But if we wanna talk about habitual prudential judgments, how about the fact that um, the papal states orchestrated countless executions Percentage. Long
2: after it had gone out of style in most of Europe, too. Yeah,
0: how, how about the fact that...
2: They used a giant hammer to crush your head.
0: <laughs> how, how about the fact that, you know, multiple popes, including, including you know, Pope Innocent the III, as, as a requirement for basic orthodoxy to the Waldensians, required that they affirm the uh, intrinsic legitimacy of the death penalty for the state you know and this is even in you know I think Pius the 12th was actually gave some of the most elaborate and um uh sophisticated arguments in favor of the death penalty it's also implicitly in in Casti Canubi as well under Pius the Eleventh. so and it's you, I unanimous consent of the fathers and in their interpretation of scripture. Read scripture itself, like where
2: scripture uh, doesn't say that it is a violation of human dignity. Scripture says that, in fact, because of human dignity, the death yes. penalty is instituted.
0: Yeah, I mean, and here's another consideration about this. I know we're not going to spend the whole show on the death penalty, but. I think it's important to I think it's important to recognize how easy this argument is to make and how easily slit therefore conservative Catholics uh, can be on on, on these things because you know it, it's so manifest when you read through the tradition
1: and it um, it, it, it turns this and so like the we're going into the the weeds of the issue because it's worth talking about but like as it pertains to the to the topic at hand is that it muddies the waters and makes it that um, Bill Barr and Bill Bear and Ted Lou are morally equivalent right, as which Catholics. Is,
0: which is just, that's, you want to talk about what's inadmissible, that's inadmissible. I mean,
1: that's ridiculous. Like, I, you know, I'm sure Bill Barr, you know, probably has some, you know, policy issues that I don't agree with. He probably, you know, likes a little bit of the... You know, every now and then, if you don't, if you know what I'm saying. Um, yes, that's a that's a known.
0: <laughs> I mean, Bill Barr is not a good guy but for totally different reasons.
1: If there's a yeah, that's a yeah, but uh, to, or even like s- to say that like Marie Marie, maybe that's a bad bad example, but like you know, any Catholic conservative saying that like oh everyone's a dissent that's what like the american solidarity party tried to do is they tried to do this this like like big brain centrist nonsense um of you know uh uh, no one fully conforms to catholic social teaching i am both pro-life for against the death penalty and for flooding the country with illegal immigrants
2: (laughs) or rather just the thing like immigrants in general
0: the conservative wing of the vatican Used to understand this pretty well very recently. Like compare and contrast the the uh CDF letters from Yes. The recent one from Cardinal Ladaria and the um the one from Cardinal Ratzinger back in two thousand and four. Um Cardinal Ladaria or I should start with Cardinal Ratzinger. He's very clear. He's very clear in the 2004 letter, which is like an ecclesiastical time. It's nothing. Um, it's like five seconds. Um, he's very clear. Abortion, euthanasia. Uh, these issues are of a completely distinct moral category from. The, the application of the death penalty, because he, as a learned theologian, <laughs> he didn't like the death penalty, but he, he, as a learned theologian, he, he knew that the church's magisterium, magisterium has ruled on the intrinsic the, the the licitness, the sanity of um, the death penalty. And he said, uh, therefore, that there can be a legitimate difference of opinion among Catholics, even if there are odds with the prudential judgment of the Holy Father on this issue. Um, contrast this, uh, and, and as a result of this, if you support abortion and euthanasia, you cannot receive Holy Communion. If you have a different opinion on the applicability of the death penalty, you can. Um, Cardinal Adaria, on the other hand, uh, he's his, his whole letter was, was basically a rehashing uh, of the seamless garment argument.
1: Don't you have excerpts that you were going to read? Uh, I I do. I
0: do. Um, one second.
1: Has to rifle through his papers.
2: If I may... Yeah? You know, one of the points they'll make is that, you know, our, our detention methods... Are are a lot better now, so we just don't need the death penalty. The fact that it, it was believed that the death penalty, that justice is seen traditionally as retributive, aside, but let's just mm-hmm. ignore. Let's just get past that. um Have these guys heard of countries like South Africa, where the prisons are so overcrowded that a man who literally baked a baby alive in an oven to get money out of their family only got nine years? All right, I got it. It's Um, ridiculous.
0: Exactly. So, Cardinal Ladaria, here are some excerpts from him. He says, given its possibly contentious nature, um, the bishop's document could become a source of discord rather than unity within the episcopate and the larger church in the United States. And he went on to say that, um, the discussion among the bishops would be best framed within a bro- the broad context of worthiness for the reception of Holy Communion on the part of all uh, the faithful, rather than only one category of Catholics, reflecting their obligation to conform their lives to the entire Gospel of Jesus Christ as they prepare to receive the sacrament. Um, now, com- compare that like progressive gobbledygook rhetoric to uh, the clarity of. Cardinal Ratzinger. And he says, Mm -hmm. uh, not all moral issues have the same moral weight as abortion and euthanasia. For example, if a Catholic were to be at odds with the Holy Father on the application of capital punishment or on the decision to wage war, he would not, for that reason, be considered unworthy to to present himself to receive Holy Communion. While the Church exhorts civil authorities to seek peace, not war, And to exercise discretion and mercy in imposing punishment on criminals, it may still be permissible to take up arms to repel an aggressor or have recourse to capital punishment. There may be a legitimate diversity of opinions, even among Catholics, about waging war and applying the death penalty. Not, however, in regard to abortion and euthanasia.
1: Which which means that it makes you an asshole to imply that your interlocutor is a heretic for supporting the death penalty. Yes, exactly. Um, to, I'm just using that very blunt language because I, it's something that, you know, I've complained to, to both of you in our private conversations that how much I hate, I, I hate, I detest, Christ, you know, theological sanctimony, you know.
0: And they're trying to be clever, like, they're throwing their fellow Catholics under the bus just to be clever.
1: Yeah, and it's like, okay, like, Ted Lieu is your enemy, someone like uh you know as
0: edward Fazer is not your enemy <laughs>
1: yeah ted Lou is your enemy and that part of the way this works is it's like you want to be an integralist and read carl schmidt all right mfer friend enemy distinction do that how is that for lesson number one you hurt your enemies because they are the enemies of god and you help your friends in trying to overcome the enemies of the good the true and the beautiful
0: yes and this Let's... does go ahead no, I'm just saying that was well
1: said. Yeah. So, but these people don't—they don't get it. Um, and uh, the once more to restate, you know, our our thesis, as you know, we kind of sit here caffeinated, is that we are saying this stuff because shit's gonna get a lot worse, and unless you're cultivating the right mindset, mindset to have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mindset mindset <laughs> you're
1: you're you're going to you're going to become a transsexual orthodox presbyterian or something
0: yes and that's a very important point you make because, like you said things are going to get worse at the magisterial level i think you know uh pope francis might not be the worst that 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 we end up with we have to be we have to mentally prepare ourselves for this and so we need to 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 shake off any kind of remaining scrupulosity about holding fast to what's more sure in the tradition, and repelling what's truly novel.
2: Yeah. You know. In, in it, the current
0: in the current magisterium. This, One. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: This is why I'm so glad I converted because I read the canons of the Council of Trent and I agreed with them rather than because I wanted a a papal oracle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, well, you know, I mean, some people have traumatic pasts and it's like, you know, you know, you, you want to believe that the the shaman of Odin or, you know, that the old Roman Pontifex Maximus could actually read innards and so on. And, you know, uh, that's, that's just, so what you want is that type of security and, but you're so intellectually pretentious, some people are, that you decide that you you can't be a Mormon, uh, but that's really what you're looking for. What you're searching for is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
2: I had a friend who was insisting that Catholic. He was Catholic. He's not anymore. He was insisting that Catholicism was a cult to me. I kept explaining to him why technically Catholicism is not a cult. Because whatever, that's not the important part. And at the very end, he's like, "No, you don't get it. I want Catholicism to be a cult. I want a cult." Now he's, like, some kind of communist.
0: I mean, and these people don't make it any easier to make the argument that you were trying to make.
1: Yeah. So, you know, um, that's... That's... <laughs> that's that. Um, poor Bishop Gomez with his, his kind of... So the thing is, is Ted Lou, and I wouldn't be surprised if this taiwanese american quote-unquote congressman um did this on purpose or maybe it was it was a it was a you know a moment of rage on twitter where he just felt like lashing out at the usccb
0: i mean this was probably that too honestly yeah um ted lou on twitter notoriously doesn't have any impulse control
1: (laughs) um it's very uh uh, I'm sure people from the mainland would have something to say about the kayak character of the Taiwanese, but uh, that's not my my dispute. They they can hash that out among themselves. I'm sure that there's pious Orthodox Chinese Catholics living in the underground church that would love to see, you know, Ted Lu live a day in their shoes. Um, <laughs> but he wouldn't because he doesn't believe what they believe. Um, so, so another thing to point out before I go to talk about Gomez's statement is that... Um, jd flynn on at the pillar and once again for the peanut gallery uh flynn and condon and so on are good sources for the news uh i do not have much use for them uh i wish them well god bless them he's got very lovely children uh but other than that i don't have much use for them beyond the news and the 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 decent-ish job of reporting that they do and uh for the you know the um conventionally orthodox conservative catholic perspective that they offer um and so but but flynn you know said in his uh roundup at the pillar yesterday that you know the media we talked we discussed this last wednesday that um a lot of people thought that this was about joe biden that this was just all about biden biden but um there's a broader so so yes It is true that archbishop gomez has had an adversarial relationship with joe joseph robinette biden uh the east india men uh since 2000 since he was with barack hussein obama okay uh do you remember when all the boomers in talk radio would love saying barack hussein Obama. The more
0: I think about it, the more I think it's it's all the
1: more warranted that they can kept harping on that. Barack Hussein. Um you know what's really funny is like before they killed Gaddafi, Gaddafi basically like called Obama his little brother and stuff. <laughs> And, like, Gaddafi would – I think he talked in – because, you know, Barack – I believe this is true. I don't know if my Quran lore, lore is is a, a up to date. Excuse the parenthetical, okay? We're chatting in the cafe. We'll get to the topics shortly, okay? We've got enough time. Uh, but uh, Barack was the name of the donkey that Muhammad flew to Jerusalem on, right? Is
0: that true?
1: Or is that or is that a, a, apocryphal? I mean, uh Jamie, uh, th- that's actually worth looking. Barak Donkey Muhammad. I have my tablet right here.
2: It was called Yafur.
1: Yafur. Yeah. Where do I hear this then? That Barak's name comes from the I don't I don't I that that, that
2: disenchance well, is. Barak means lightning.
1: Okay. So it's actually a pretty cool name. Okay, yeah, that that that's that, to be named Barak Yeah, I mean, I thought that he was named after Muhammad's donkey.
2: No, he's uh, he's uh, he's named after lightning.
1: Someone lied to me. I feel so betrayed, and I don't know by who. I have to uncover this.
2: I mean, you know how things work on the internet. You know how information spreads. Yeah. gave a telephone.
1: I just had to pop my neck in, in, in agony. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Gomez has been an adversary of Biden since uh, the Obama administration. That much is pretty clear to me. Um, and uh, But as, uh, you know, the pillar guys... Com- meaning J.D. Flynn, basically, uh, points out um, the whole thing about um, what the USCCB were talking about, this whole thing about a Eucharistic revival, is it seems like the (sighs) pandemic— I hate saying that word—and the lockdowns basically made the bishops reflect on how very few— Catholics believe in the resor- in the in the real presence uh you know that this is a catechetical crisis and so really Gomez is you know th- this whole deal with Biden um co- goes together with the package of people of the bishops wanting the, the laity to return to mass once the lockdowns are over uh, yeah that's probably why it was able to get so many votes and you know, and part of that also, you know, if you want to look cynically about it, that that relates to money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the more asses that you have sitting in a pew in church, the more uh, people there will be uh, dropping. The more you get for your. That, what do they call it? That now that used to be called the bishop's appeal, right?
0: Yeah, something like that. And now
1: it's called like the Catholic something appeal. So the Catholic appeal, because bishop everyone hates bishops ever since of McCarrick. Um, and so, you know, um, that, that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, and before we, you know, we kind of close the, 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 de- the, the demon rat, <laughs> um, saga, um, sh- uh, Gomez's,
2: demon the, rat.
1: the, Gomez's, you know, statement was kind of meh, and he was basically like, you know, we voted overwhelmingly on a document teaching about the beauty and power of the eucharist in november the bishops will gather to discuss the document draft the eucharist is the heart of the church and the heart of the lives of our lives as catholics all true all true amen amen uh in the eucharist jesus christ himself draws near to each one of us personally and gathers us together as one family of god and one body of christ yep yep that's right that's right your excellency as bishops, our desirous to deepen our people's awareness of this great mystery of faith and to waken their amazement as this divine gift in which we have communion with the living God that is our pastoral purpose in writing this document. I invite everyone in the church to pray for the bishops as we continue our dialogue and reflections. I pray that it, this will be a time for us all in the church to reflect on our own faith and readiness to receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. And, um some people think that this was kind of in response to lose uh tirade um and you know this goes back to the fact that you know bishops don't want to enforce the norms of Catholic orthodoxy through canonical penalties and part of that is is because everyone knows, as we've discussed, that there's this Mexican standoff going on between you know theological liberals and theological conservatives in the church, and no one wants to shoot first. But no,
0: I, there there's no standoff. Bishops like these these statements can be just read at face value. Just ask the bishops.
1: Yeah, you you told me you had some stuff to say from that, and how uh, J D. Flynn of all people refutes that.
0: Yeah, so like there's, there's some of these conservative Catholics that we've been talking about, one way that they like to respond to controversies like this is to just say, well, any kind of talk of, of either a rift between Rome and, and the U.S. and conservative elements within the USCCB, or just between, uh, between bishops is just, you know, New York Times, uh, MSM spin. And really, you know, all we really have to do is just, you know, ask the bishops you know, or take the statements of base value. And to me, it's like, bishops are political actors. Bishops conferences are political entities that, that operate in like a realist fashion that you can learn about from international relations. I mean, it's not necessarily at that same level, but it can get pretty close sometimes. And, you know, no, no one, for example, you would have to be a complete moron to like take, like Tony Blinken at his word, at his, you know, take his uh, statements at face value as though they're like, like sincere or, or like to, uh, sincerely take on at face value. But CT, like c- c- CT, c- about international affairs. It's just, it, it's so naive. CT, t- the
1: bishops have a special charism. Ah, yeah. They have a special charism. Okay. It's just like, you know, the freaking oracles like in the temple of Isis. look,
2: look, look, you don't get it. Think of the 16th century for a moment. You don't get it, Louis. The bishop has a special charism. It doesn't matter that he is always absent and away at court all the time and never responds to any of your complaints about the local priest not knowing Latin. Please, do not become a Calvinist. He just has a special charism.
1: <laughs> he just has a special charism um, you, you you had something I that, that An excerpt that I think would be worth you reading In particular, Classical Theists From yeah, sure. the Pillar article From J.D. Flynn
0: Yes, let me go get that I have to rifle through your papers Okay, I got it Cool so he says um In fact, some bishops have taken pains to emphasize that everything is fine and that disagreements were minimal. A kind of paternalistic clericalism which insists that what's plain to see isn't real and that mommy and daddy aren't actually fighting at all. I mean, I can think that's kind of a cringe way to put it, but nevertheless, I I I think um I'll I'll read the second portion of this in a second, but uh it's important to emphasize, like, J.D. Flynn is is of that same, like, normie conservative caliber, and yet even he can recognize the fact that when bishops make public statements like this, underneath them is uh, several layers of nuances, of hidden tensions, of clandestine um uh, intentionalities and motives and 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 thoughts. and you have to be a grown-up to really uh, recognize that for what it is. so he goes on to say, uh, from my own point of view, public disagreement among bishops doesn't need to be a source of scandal in the church. It can be a sign of a healthy institutional culture when people feel to or feel free to engage rationally and respectfully, even uh, even strongly held disagreements. and it could actually help to restore trust in the church of practicing Catholics saw that bishops were forthright and candid about their manifestly obvious disagreements while proceeding through them with the presumption of Christian brotherhood. Some, but not all, of the disagreements over the past six months have even had that character.
1: So, some. Where I agree with, with with you know, um, good old Colorado Flynn is that You know with this take that there are obvious divisions and that ultimately you shouldn't be squeamish about the bishops discussing these things like uh bloody adults right but what i do disagree with is downplaying how stark some of these divisions are Mm -hmm. and you know you can just see in the actions of bishops you know for example you know um our our favorite, you know, Illyrian in Chicago to make fun of good old Cardinal Supich. Uh he literally <laughs> denied little girls, com, you know, com, com, a communion, first holy communion in the old rite when he was the bishop of Rapid City. And, yeah, and chained the doors of the of the of the church where the indult Latin mass was being held, saying we all on Easter with no notice to those Lowe's lay people, to that community, saying with just a note posted on the door that we all need to worship together on Easter, go to the Novus Ordo, your mass is canceled this week, okay, thanks, bye. Yeah. What was this? Uh, this was years ago when Soupitch was the, the bishop of Rapid City in South Dakota, I believe.
0: Was he, and there he are allowed people, to do
1: that? I mean they don't give a shit about canonical compliance. That is, Edward Peters himself has talked about that that's part of the crisis, is that no one gives a damn about canonical crisis. And And
2: realistically, how's it going to be enforced? Are you going to take a gun to his head? It's
1: almost like the Vatican needs to actually act like an international entity and give all of its priests dual citizenship, and that perhaps something of the temporal power needs to come back but not in a way that the pseudo-integralists at the Civitas Dei conference think.
2: If I may, and this is something I've talked about before, Uh one of the issues in the church is that, you know, we know that there's a shortage of priests, right? Priests are hard to train, bishops are hard to train, um, and they're definitely hard to train well. Now, if you have coercive power, and you can just, you know, put a gun to their head when they're (laughs) doing something wrong, it's not that big a deal when they go off the reservation. Because you can just put a gun to their head. Now, if all you can do, on the other hand, is fire them or laicize them, that becomes a bigger problem because that means you might not be able to replace them.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a
2: fact. Just saying.
1: Yeah. it's it's there's, there's a lot of different things to think about, and I, I think that the the involvement of, you know, lay members of the church that were members of the church in so far as being, like, a part of minor orders of being, like, beatles and sacristans and stuff and men being involved is definitely an element to this, um, uh, to, to how, but, you know, no one wants to hear this, uh and everyone would rather go to the Civitas Day conference and navel gaze about, uh, the coming guadalupe imperialist state and in and the north american super catholic power that will one day sanctify the world and blah blah blah. Well, it's like
0: it's um, like if you, the, if you take the if you take the naivete that we were just talking about uh seriously you would have to basically conclude that cardinal soup really was just interested in the unity you know like, like right he, that you, yeah he you, doesn't he doesn't have like an ideological hatred of the latin mass and what it stands for no 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 he just he just wants everyone to you know go to the same mass
1: and this frankly creates this like bipolar schizophrenic catholic posture where you know you're solemnly nodding your head at cardinal supich in chicago uh, you know, with his statements or, or rather Bishop Supic in Rapid City with the way he treated, you know, like solemnly nodding your head. Yes, yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. Yes, I'm Orthodox and I'm I'm the real traditionalist. It creates this kind of Catholic schizophrenia where you're, you go to Rapid City under Bishop Supich back in the day, and you solemnly nod your head, like, yes, denying these little girls communion in the old right is is completely justified. We are all united as one. Yes, yes, I am a trad. I am a trad. I am a consistent Catholic. I am nuanced. I am logical. Yes, yes, I am nuanced. I am logical. I am consistent. And then go and you move to San Antonio under Bishop you know, Gomez, uh, Gomez back in the day, and he cans all of the liberal cat ladies in the chancery and starts Im- uh, uh, allowing people to say the Latin Mass and implementing some more on Pontificum, uh, you're like, oh, yes, this is good. This is consistent Catholicism. Yes, I agree with the bishop's decisions. I'm a trad. I am logical. I am consistent. I am nuanced. And if you get involved in Catholic life, people are just going to think that you're a that you're bonkers, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like this dude was in South Dakota and he was like a trigger man for Cardinal Supich, you know, muttering about nuance and logic while he, you know, fastened the change to the Latin Mass Parish's doors on Easter morning. And then he moved to San Antonio and he's cutting the ribbon for the grand opening of the Latin Mass Parish that Gomez opened up. What the hell?
0: Yeah, I mean, it it totally defies.
2: Content is what's
0: important, not structure. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, that yeah, was no, important. It, it, it really does. At that point, I think, if you seriously internalize that mentality, you kind of constitute a pretty good argument against the truth of the Catholic faith. If you really think that you have to adopt this positivistic um, schizophrenia, like the word you use. Uh, in order to be a faithful Catholic, then you ought not be a faithful Catholic, you know? It, because it, it it undermines the very um, principles of sound reasoning and deduction and induction.
1: What you are looking for is either a shepherding movement, evangelical parish that believes in the oracular powers of the priesthood. Don't question how you find it. God just talks to you and you figure it out, that you're a priest. Or mm-hmm. you want to be move to utah or idaho and join the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints that is those are the two things and i'm not saying for people i'm saying this is ridiculous this is functionally what this position is yeah
0: i mean if you internalize that like and, and and you have that kind that level of a uh devotion to this cult of hyper obedience then you know why don't you like you you would have fit in perfectly for the palmarian
1: church
2: (laughs) oh gosh the (laughs) palmarian yeah go go
1: research the palmarian catholic church to get you know to see who one of the there are technically two anti-popes: one in Kansas, one in Palmyra, Spain. Um, but
2: it's the one in Kansas, Pope Michael.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good old David Bodden. <laughs>
2: that guy is
1: so weird. I, I, I'd frankly think that Pope Michael's posture is more sane than this hyper-rigorous magisterial positivism.
0: We're gonna have to devote it like a whole um, topos to that
1: yes the forthcoming show format that we will keep mysterious other than that the name has been released um but this was fun i think this was good thank you very much everyone for joining us in cafe in taberna your wednesday show for a cool respite for reading the pamphlets and the papers and all content in between you have a good evening bye everybody see ya see ya